Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reimbold, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Duggard. Now let me say that again. We There's a plague coming. The Prophet has warned us that there's a plague coming. And now is the time to prepare. But the question is, will we procrastinate or will we prepare? I want to tell you a dream I had, which is basically what came from this sermon tonight. In this dream, I was standing in front of my wash machine and, and, and it was running. And in the distance, I could hear the thunder. And, and I could hear that the storm was coming. And as I stood there, I could hear it getting closer and closer. But I didn't do anything. I just stood there by the wash machine because whatever was going on with it seemed to be more important than the thunder in the distance. And it kept getting closer and closer. And finally, in the dream, my daughter comes around the corner and she's perturbed. And she says, Mom, it's going to rain. And I'm like, I know. And she says, but Mom, the windows are up. And there's laundry on the line. And we've got to get ready. It's going to rain. And she was really upset with me because I wasn't preparing for this storm that was going to come. And by the time she got me away from the wash machine, there wasn't time to prepare. And my question to you tonight is, you've heard. There's a plague coming. There's a rain coming. You can hear the thunder. But are you just going to stand there and say, well, there's a plague coming and not prepare? It's time to prepare. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. All through the scripture, God is always warning us to watch, to pray, and to take heed. Chapter 24, verse, going to start in verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not the hour your Lord does come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to have been broken up. You know, we have the advantage in our technology of today to have, have, have the home security systems that's supposed to watch and they have the commercials of how wonderful all of that is. And God is saying here in his scriptures, he's saying if, 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 the, if the man of the house, if, if the, they had known when, when the thief was going to come, they would have stayed up and kept watch and been prepared. We don't know the day, the hour, and the time that this plague is going to hit. We don't know whenever it's going to come across the ticker at the bottom of the screen that we're quarantined and we're no longer to be allowed out of our homes and, and go to our jobs. We don't know when that day is going to come. But we do know one thing. God has warned us. He told the secret to the prophet, and he said, There's a rain coming. There's a plague coming. And you need to prepare. But we live in a society that procrastinates. And we are 
very guilty of it. But God said, watch and pray. Go with me over to verse 44. Therefore, be you also ready, for in such hours you think not the Son of Man cometh. For who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? You have been made a ruler. You've been made a ruler over your household, over your body. You have charge over it. You have decisions to make as to if you will prepare and how you prepare and whether you even choose to believe that you need to prepare. You are in charge that you've been placed and that has been given to you. When I was a child at home, I was in charge. You know what I was in charge of? I was in charge of my bed. It was to be made every morning. My clothes. The dirty clothes were to be put in the clothes hamper, and the clean clothes were to be hung and put in the drawer. There was one other place I was in charge of that I really didn't care that I was in charge of, and that was underneath that bed. Because, you know, it's really nice when you're a kid and you're told, clean your room, shove everything under the bed, and maybe Mom won't notice. My mother noticed. And I, it just... Always. And she even, she even went to the extent to get me organized. And she bought little boxes that fit underneath my bed, and each box was marked that this goes in here, and this goes in here, and this goes in here, and I was to have it organized. I was in charge. And that was my responsibility. But you know what? I'm not a kid anymore with just a bed and just a dresser and just a closet and just a room to be in charge of. Now... I have a family. I have a husband. I have, have a household. I have grandchildren. I have more responsibility than what I did then. And I'm in charge, and, and I am supposed to be ready. And I need to think about those things. And we all need to think about them. There's a rain coming. There's a rain coming. I can see the clouds over in the west. And it's getting dark. And now I can hear the thunder. And it's getting closer. And what do I do when I see a rain? Well, first of all, I need to shore up everything outside. Okay, do the kids have the toys picked up? Is there clothes on the line? Are they all brought in? Is everything taken care of outside? Is there machinery? Is there a lawnmower that's out that I don't want rained on? That all needs to be taken care of because there's a rain coming. And so we begin to take care of the yard. Usually I holler at the kids, hey kids, there's a storm coming. Come on, get us all taken care of. Get the patio chairs put where they will because they, they're going to blow back in to the next field if we don't put them away because it's real windy at our house. And so we take care of that. And then the next thing that you do, when I was growing up, we did not have air conditioning. And so the windows were always open during the summertime. And when there was a rain coming, we took care of outside, and then the next thing was we all had our assigned windows that we were to take care of. Now, you didn't put the window down right away because it was hot, and that rain coming was going to bring this wonderful breeze that would cool the house off. So you left it open, and you stood there at the window, and you watched the screen to make sure when the rain started to come, and you felt the window sill 
to make sure. And when it started to rain, then you put the window down. And you might even leave it cracked just a little bit, and that cold breeze would come in, and it feels so wonderful in this humidity that we have in this area. But a rain was coming, and we had to prepare. Now then, sometimes those rains that came were storms. And the lightning would crack like a shotgun went off. And Dad would say, unplug the TV, get off the phone, nobody's taking a bath, and nobody's washing dishes because lightning could hit. And it had to, you, had to be, you had to take protection. You know, there's other times whenever the rain that was coming had a tornado in it. And you needed to listen to the TV to make sure that it wasn't in your area, and if it, if it was, you needed to take care of cover. All of that was part of preparation because what? There's a rain coming, and we're here tonight because there's a plague coming, and we need to prepare. And that's what God wants us to do. In, ver- in chapter 25, and I'm not going to read all the way through this, but we are very familiar with the parable of the ten virgins. Now, there were five virgins that were wise, and there were five that were foolish. Have you ever stopped to think about that that was 50%? 50%. They all knew what to do. They all knew the bridegroom was coming, and they needed to have oil in their lamps, and they needed to wait and watch and be ready. But five did not prepare. And you know, have you, have you ever been around people who never seem to get it all together? And, and, and if you are that type of person that does, they're always coming to you and saying, oh, did you, do you happen to have such and such because I forgot mine? And that's what it was. There was the five who had prepared and the five foolish for going, oh, please, will you give us some of yours because we, we failed to prepare. And the five wise said, no. They said, there won't be enough for us if we share with you. You go buy and you go get it. Go, go get it. And while they were gone, while they were gone, those five foolish, the bridegroom came. And the door was shut. There's a plague coming. You better prepare. And the door is going to be shut. And when the door is shut, you can't prepare anymore because now, now is test time. Now is when you need, you're going to need that food and you're going to need to be able to go to the Lord and say, God, I kept your festivals, I kept Sabbath, and I kept New Moon, and I kept your Torah. And you're going to need to be able to, you're going to need to be able to go back and say this, remember God, I did those things. You're going to need to do that. But if the door is shut, preparation time is over. You know, when Noah was told to build an ark, I can imagine him coming in and saying to his wife, Honey, God has told me that it's going to flood and it's going to rain, and I need to build this ark, and God told me exactly the size. He told me that it's going to be this long and this tall. It's going to be three levels. And I can imagine Noah's wife saying, okay, all right, this is good. And she's thinking, how are we going to do this? Because you know what? They didn't go down to the local lumber yard 
and say, I'd like to make an order for so many feet of gopher wood. No, they didn't have that privilege. They had to go out and they had to hew down the trees. They had to, to season it. They had to cut it and prepare it so they could even begin to build with it. Now then, they got done with that and they needed to pitch the, the, all of the gopher wood with pitch. And they didn't go down to the local Walmart and say, I need 55-gallon drums of pitch to do this with. No, they had to make it. And I can just imagine, here's Noah and his three sons and their wives and Noah's wife, and they're covered from head to toe in this black, sticky junk because they're having to make it. And I don't know how they made it and how that all happened, but, but I can just imagine. Now, think about something else about Noah. Noah had brothers and sisters. Did they participate in this? No, they didn't. Noah had neighbors. Did they participate in that? No, they didn't. In fact, they scoffed at him. Noah, it's what's rain, it's never rained. You're just a gloom and doom guy. You're crazy. But you know what? When God shut the door, and I think the reason God shut the door is because Noah probably would have tried to crack the thing back open and let some of them in. He had that kind of heart. But when God shut the door, all those people that scoffed at Noah and wouldn't listen and, and wouldn't take heed, they were the ones who were, when it started raining and the water started coming up, they were pounding on the side of that ark saying, let me in, Noah, let me in, let me in, I'm going to drown, I'm going to die. And they were desperate. But Noah couldn't let them in because God had shut the door. You're going to have family that's going to look at you and say, you're crazy. You've been redeemed from the law. You don't have to do that anymore. And don't get feeling sorry for yourself. Do you know how long they scoffed at Noah? It took him a hundred years to build that ark. That's a long time to have people pointing their fingers at you and saying, you are wrong. But he wasn't wrong. And the proof is in the pudding. Whenever it comes time, we'll know who's right and who's wrong. You know, I got to thinking about this plague coming and, and all the people that are going to die. And, I, and, and my heart began to just yearn inside of me in grief. And I thought, dear God in heaven, all these people are going to die. And all of a sudden, God dropped into me and he said, it's my mercy. It's my mercy. And I thought, well, how could that be mercy, God? And he said, because if they won't listen to you that you're to keep my Torah and that you should put food up in preparation for a coming plague, do you think they're going to listen when the mark of the beast comes and you say, don't you let them put that in your forehead or in your hand, right hand? (laughs) If they're not listening in the Spirit, they will end up endangering their eternal salvation by taking the mark of the beast. And God in His mercy will take them 
and it's his mercy. And when God, when God dropped that in my bucket, I thought, thank you, Lord. Because now, now I can, can look at this in a totally different way. It's not that God's a big meanie up there. Yes, God's sending judgment. But it's a two-edged sword. It's judgment and it's mercy. And God is a merciful God. We need to prepare. We need to prepare. You know, all of us, or most of us, have been taught that we have as Christians an armor that we wear. We have the sword, and we have the shield, and we have the helmet, and we have the breastplate. What is it that we have on our feet? The preparation of the gospel of peace. Preparation. God said, you are to be clothed in preparation. Now, let me tell you something. When you are prepared for an event and you haven't procrastinated, you will have peace when it comes time. Think about when you was in school and you had a test coming up and you kept putting it off. The test is until Friday and it's Monday and I've got, I've got the rest of the week to study for it. And you kept putting it off and you kept putting it off. And the next thing you know, it's Friday morning, the alarm went off, and you have not prepared for that test. You know what you're going to do? You're going to panic. Especially if it's a subject that you have difficulty with. Because you have not prepared. Preparation will bring peace. And God wants us to be clothed in peace. I want us to think about Joseph. Joseph was, was told, he was in prison, and he was told that Pharaoh had had these dreams. Now God gave Joseph the revelation of Pharaoh's dreams. But along with that revelation, Joseph began to tell Pharaoh how, how to prepare for the famine. There was going to be seven good years, and there was going to be seven years of famine. And he told, began to tell him how to prepare for that. And he told him, he said, what I, want, what I suggest that you do, Pharaoh, is that you have the people to bring one-fifth of the harvest and bring it in and, and store it in, in granaries in the cities. Now, what Joseph was saying, and he, this is a 30-year-old kid, okay? 30-year-old kid just had suggested to Pharaoh that you tax your subjects 20%. How would we like our government to tax us 20%? And Pharaoh says, this sounds good to me. And so they did. And for seven years, they had to bring one-fifth of the harvest in, and it belonged to the government. It belonged to Pharaoh. The famine hit, and the people came that needed food, and they didn't have a public aid system. They didn't have handouts. You know what they said? You buy the food, and we will give it to you. And so they did. After two years, the people ran out of money. It says the money failed. And they're standing there. And they're saying, Joseph, would you stand here and watch me starve? Take my herds. They began to barter. 
They said, take our herds, take our cattle, take our horses, take our asses, anything, but don't let us starve to death. you got all that grain in the granary. And so they gave Pharaoh or gave it to Joseph, and he gave it to Pharaoh, all their herds. And that fed them for one more year. And they came back again and they said, Would you watch it starve? The money's failed. We've given you everything that we have. The only thing left is our body and the property that we have, our land. We will sell that to you. We'll sell ourselves to you. Just feed us. These are desperate people. They don't want to die. And so Joseph says, Okay, and he does. Now, at the end of the seven years of famine, Joseph, oh, before that, I almost forgot, not only now that they sold themselves, they moved them all into the cities. I guess it was easier to take care and feed them that way. So now they're refugees in their own country because they've been uprooted from their homes and they're in their own cities. And so the, the, the famine is over, and Joseph says, Now, I'm going to give you all seed. And you go and you plant that seed... And from now on, the harvest, 20% of it, belongs to Pharaoh. And out of this seed I'm giving you, you're going to plant it, you're going to give 20% of it to Pharaoh, and then you're going to save seed for next year. We're only going to give you seed one year. That's all we're going to give you. And the people were grateful. Do you think we here in America would have been grateful for those kind of circumstances? No, we wouldn't be. But Joseph had the plan of how to prepare. And the people that that had not, you know, I think about it and I think, you know, maybe if, and maybe some of them did think, okay, this is what's going on, the government's doing this, we should prepare too. And maybe they did. And, And that's, you know, that's not in the Bible and I wouldn't know. I want to talk about a second, too, about David. David was preparing for the temple for Solomon. David wanted to build the temple unto the Lord, and the Lord said, no, you can't. But he said, Solomon will. And so David said, okay, I'm going to prepare. And when in 1 Chronicles 22, it tells us that David prepared and he gathered up, and it goes into great detail about how many tons of gold and silver that, that David gathered up. And then it goes on to say that he set his son down, because he said, my son's young. And he set him down and he said, he said, Solomon, I've prepared all this stuff for you so that, that you can build the temple. But I want you to understand something. You have to serve God and keep the law of Moses, or it won't go well with you. And if you don't do those two things, all this preparation will be for naught. And God is saying the same thing to us today. He says, you guys can go home and you can begin to gather up stores and store food and be prepared that way. But if you're not going to serve God and do His law and and keep Torah, it's all for naught. It's not going to work. Now, I can imagine Solomon sitting there talking to his son because I have a daughter who's just at the right age that it doesn't matter what I tell her. She's really, really not wanting Mom to tell her, tell her anything because she's a big girl now. And I think about Solomon and him sitting there and his dad telling him, this is what you've got to do, son. And I think, you know, isn't it something that he listened to his dad? <coughs> God had to purpose that. 
I want to talk about what we need to do for preparing. The first thing that, that a lot of people think about when they're told you need to prepare and, and store up for a whole year is, I can't afford that. I've had people come to me and say, I'm on a fixed income, or this or that. We have gas prices, and we have winter coming on, and there's, there's fuel, and, and all these things that's going to disrupt our budget as it is, and now you're telling me to get a year's supply of food in, in my cupboard. And you don't do it tomorrow. You do it a step at a time. You know, it's kind of like the saying of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? That's how you prepare. What you need to do, ladies, in the next few days, every time you do something at the house, especially with the food, you think about what it is you're making and what ingredients did it take to make what you're fixing and what you put down on the, on the table for your family to eat. And you need to get a notebook out and you need to write. Now, I'm going to give you an example of what I did, and this was years ago. But at that time in my family, we had tuna casserole once a week. Now, the prophet does not eat tuna casserole once a week, let me tell you that. <laughs> but at that time, we ate tuna casserole once a week. And so I sat down with my trusty little calculator, and I figured up. My, my recipe involved cream of mushroom soup, tuna, and it needed noodles, and some spices. Those were all things that I could have in my stores and I could make when, when, it, when the time came. And so I went to town, or figured it up, and if we had tuna casserole once a week, then I needed 52 cans of tuna and 52 cans of cream of mushroom. Now, I didn't go out and buy them the next week. You know what I did? The next time I was in town and I was in the grocery store and tuna was on sale, instead of buying the usual four or five cans that I would buy, I bought twice as many. And I took them home and I had the kids to get Sharpie markers and we wrote on the top of the can the date. If it, like if it was in November, we put 11-05. And then I had a place in the house where I had shelving, and, and the kids took them, and we put them down there on the shelf. And we began to gather up, and we began to gather up, and we rotated them, because it's important to rotate. If you don't rotate your, your stores, you're going to end up with food that you've wasted your money on. So you need to take, and take note of what it is you guys eat, and how, what, what you was going to, how, you could put, how much of it you would need. Then you begin by starting with the basics. Grain. There's wheat, there's rice, and there's beans. And if you think about in the third world countries, what is their stable that they eat? Rice. And there's a reason for that. Rice Rice can keep you alive. Now, I was not a person who was raised on a lot of rice, and so when I first started doing this, I thought, well, I want a rice. <laughs> but as I began to learn about the nutritional part of this, because if you're going to be in your home and you can't get out to get things, you want to stay healthy. And you, the best way to stay healthy is to eat nutritionally well. 
and to make sure you have all the nutritional items you need. So rice and beans are very important for that. They are an essential amino acid balance, and you need to have a ratio of five to one, like five pounds of rice, one pound of beans. And you need to have that ratio because, because separate, you're going you're gonna to undo that balance. But together, it's five to one for rice and beans. Now, when I go to town and I buy rice, I bring it home and I put it in the freezer. And that is to kill any weevils or anything that might get into it. I do the same thing with beans. I do the same thing with flour. I put it in the, in the freezer. After two weeks, I bring it out and I put it in an airtight container. Now, there's one exception to this, and that is brown rice. Brown rice will only keep for six months outside of the freezer. So brown rice, it has more nutritional value to it than white rice. And so I prefer the brown rice because I'm want, I am wanting to have things that are going to be packed with nutrition for my family. And so I have a spot in my freezer that's allotted for my rice. Now there's another, there's another option, and that is there are places that have food preparation items. And you can get brown rice that has been packaged in airtight containers, or not airtight, but with nitrogen things in them that will keep, that will keep them from going rancid. Because what, what goes rancid in the brown rice is the oils. And, that's, and they oxidize. So if you get the oxygen out of the storage container, then they'll keep for years. And so when, you, when you're able, get, get some uh, brown rice that's been packaged that way. Another item that is good is peanuts. Peanuts are full of protein, but they also have fat, which is essential. And, of course, we're all familiar with peanut butter, and, but there's also just having roasted peanuts. Another thing is tang, which is a drink mix that was very popular when I was a young child, and I... I uh, Remember when I first heard about doing this, I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't had tang in years. And, but tang has 100% of your vitamin C in an 8-ounce glass. And tang is easy to, to keep and store. And so tang is something that, that you would want to consider. Another thing is shortening. Now, we live in a society that says cut the fat out because we eat too much fat. But when you are in a crisis time, and especially if you have the elderly or and to stay nutritionally or not to become malnutrition, excuse me. White flour. Wheat flour has the same problem as, as the rice. It will it can go rancid. And and so I purchase white flour as well as wheat flour. Now my family, they don't care for one hundred percent whole wheat bread. So I mix it. And I mix it of two parts white, one part wheat when I make it. And, it, and they, they will eat that bread. But with the white flour, again, I bring it home, I put it in the freezer for two weeks, take it out, and then I put it in an airtight container. One thing that you need to make sure of is these plastic totes that are very, real popular right now. Someone told me the mice will eat through them. 
So you need to make sure that you have something that's, a, that's, that's going to keep the mice out. I, I have, I've collected the, the tins in which right now at Christmas time they have the popcorn that you can buy that's in tins and they're terrific and because I don't have to worry about mice getting into them and I don't have to worry about the humidity. The main thing is, is don't set them on your basement floor and let the bottoms rust out. And, but I, I bring home sugar, brown sugar, I put them in those tins and, and the flour, I put it in the freezer for two weeks, then bring it out and I fill them up. And I have an area in my home that's got all these tins and, and we don't have them labeled, but we know the one with the kitty cats has sugar and this one here has, has flour in it. The other items that you need to think about is, is canned goods, vegetables and fruits. Now, if you're, on, if you, if you're just beginning to, to start doing this, you're going to start out by looking at what vegetables and fruits your family eats. But then you also want to think about, again, having something packed with nutrition. Your dark green and your orange vegetables are going to be packed with vitamin A, and that's going to be important to your health. Now, I don't know about you, but if I put mustard greens on the table, I don't believe anybody in my family would be interested. Now, if they got hungry enough, they'll eat it. <laughs> but given a choice, they would prefer spinach. But your dark greens are spinach, turnips, mustard, kale, collard greens. And your orange vegetables, you've got carrots. Carrots have 100% of vitamin A in a half a cup. Pumpkin. Pumpkin has 300% of, of the recommended daily allowance of vitamin A in a half a cup. Pumpkin can be used more than pumpkin pie. I, uh, you, can, you can make a, a pumpkin biscuit, or you can use pumpkin in casseroles like you would uh, squash or carrots. And so you need to think about those things. Maybe it's not something that your family would eat a whole lot of, but you begin to sp experiment with it now. Buy some pumpkin and begin to experiment. What can I do with, with it? Because 300% in a half a cup, if, even if they eat a very small helping, that's packed with nutrition, and that's what you want to think about. Now, when I was talking about the tuna casserole recipe, I added milk to my recipe. And so my first thought was, A, I did not live in a place where I had a cow. I gotta have milk. And at that point in my life, we bought eight gallons of milk a week. I didn't have refrigerator room for that. And so dry milk was something that you can store. And a 64-ounce box of dry milk is equivalent to five gallons of milk. And that box is about like this. Now with dry milk, you can make puddings, you can make yogurt, and you can make cheese, as well as you can mix it up and, and have milk. So begin to, begin to purchase dry milk. Another thing to think about would be uh, potato flakes. That is something that you could think about. I've already talked about the tuna, but I want to talk about canned meats. When you get ready to buy canned meats and you go to the grocery store and you, and you look in that aisle, 
you will find canned meats that have pasta, vegetables in them for filler. And even though your child may like ravioli squares really well, it's not as cost effective whenever you're trying to, on a budget here, get a year's supply. So, so look for areas that, that are canned meats that's just the meat. And of course, tuna is, is one of those. Now don't forget your seasonings, salt, baking powder, baking soda. And if you're going to make yeast or make bread, you're going to need yeast. But as you all know, yeast doesn't keep a whole a long time. And so you may not be able to get enough yeast for a year. And so when you're thinking about bread, you need to think about a sourdough recipe because that's what the pioneers did. They couldn't go down to the local IGA and buy yeast. And they had sourdough. And so I began to experiment with sourdough recipes because some of those, personally, I didn't like. And I finally found one that I liked. And, and if any of you would be interested, go to our website, email me, and ask me for my sourdough recipe. But it has, it has potato flakes in it and, and sugar, and we feed it once a week, and then we make our Sabbath bread with it on Friday. And we make that every week, and I've even begun to, to turn that over to my daughter and let her make it so that she would know how to make bread. Because if any of you have made bread, you know making bread is an art. You have to know how the dough feels. And when you're baking it, that bread gets brown on top, but it's not done inside. And it takes time to learn how to make bread. And so you need, you need to practice. And of course, if you're doing Sabbath, you're going to be practicing once a week, making bread and braiding it. The basic rule for, for having a storage system, is uh, food storage, is to store what you will eat and eat what you will store. You've got to keep it rotated. Don't go out and buy four cases of tuna and you only eat a half a case a year. It'll go bad on you. Everything you buy, look at it. We have the advantage here in the United States that most products have a date on them. Now, sometimes it's hard to read and figure out what that date is, but they've gotten better over the years. But look at it and see, okay? This item here says that it's good till 2007. Then I know that I can put up a year's supply of it and a little extra, and it's not going to go bad on me because we want to be good stewards with our money. We don't, we don't want to waste it. And so you need to, to, to figure out what you will eat and only store what you will eat. You need to rotate your supply. As I said, have, have that marked and rotate it. When you bring something new in, put it to the back of the shelf and, and, and eat the older. Remember when you're buying things about nutrition and and think about those. Okay, I'm going to read to you off a 12-month, this is a suggested a 12-month food supply for two adults. Wheat, 321 pounds. White flour, 29 pounds. Cornmeal, 71 pounds. Oats, 71 pounds. Oats is great. You know, instead of buying all cornflakes and all that, Oats, cream of wheat, 
Those are great breakfast items. Rice, 143 pounds. Pearl barley, 7 pounds. Spaghetti and ma macaroni, 71 pounds. Another thing you can do is learn to make, learn to make noodles. Learn, learn to make those things. A total in your grain group is 714 pounds, and that's for two adults. Now, if you have a family, you need to add to that. And again, this is suggested, and it's going to vary with what your family eats. Let's look at the look at the beans. Dried beans, 50 pounds. Lima beans, two pounds. Soybeans, two pounds. Split peas, two pounds. Lentil, two pounds. And dry soup mix, 10 pounds. And that's something else that I had thought of, didn't remember to mention. But there are we have available in our grocery stores dry food soup mixes that you just reconstitute with water and, and cook them. And that's something that you can look at for having. A total of 68 pounds of beans. Then you need to remember you're going to need vegetable oil. Four gallons. Shortening, 10 pounds. Mayonnaise, two quarts. Peanut butter, eight pounds. The total fat and oil for two adults would be 51 pounds for 12 months. Uh, milk. Dry, the dried milk, 28 pounds. Evaporated milk in the cans, 24 cans. It's equivalent to 32 pounds of milk products. Granulated sugar, 80 pounds. Some of us probably consume more than that in a year. <laughs> sugar, brown sugar, 6 pounds. Molasses, 2 pounds. Honey, 6 pounds. Corn syrup, 6 pounds. Jams and preserves, 6 pounds. Fruit drink. 12 pounds and gelatin, and that's something too. You know, whenever things get hard, it's always nice to have something good. You know, we're used to dessert. So jello and pudding, those are things that, that keep a long time and they're, and they're easy to make. A total in your sugar group, 120 pounds. Dry yeast, one pound. Baking soda, two pounds. Baking powder, two pounds. Vinegar, two pounds. Chlorine bleach, one gallon, and I think that's low because chlorine bleach is something that will disinfect and it will also purify. And you can put a teaspoon of chlorine bleach in five gallons of water and purify it for drinking. Salt, 16 pounds. Water, 28 gallons. And that's is four, that's actually for two weeks, 14 gallon per person for two weeks. Okay, let's say you went out and you bought whole wheat. You're going to have to have a grinder. And you need to think about, are you going to have electricity to run that grinder, or do you need to get one that works by hand? But a wheat grinder if you have whole wheat. If not, buy, buy the flour. You, you'll need um, garbage bags. You'll need, you'll need things to keep clean. You'll need soap. Um, you'll need, um, in the bathroom for hygiene things, you need tissue paper, toilet paper. You need probably a portable party in case the water system doesn't work. You'll need enzymes for that. You need shampoos and, and toothpaste. Ladies, cinnamon hygiene. You need, you need items for that. 
you also need medicines and a first aid kit. Now what about special needs like let's say you have a baby. You're going to need baby things. Formula, diapers, cloth diapers would be more most useful. And the thing to remember with babies is they're changing and they're changing quickly. You know, that six month outfit that fit two month, two weeks ago doesn't fit anymore. Now I need an eight, eight months. And so you need to think about those things. Other things to think about is if you have a person who is diabetic or lactose intolerant. So we need to prepare. There's a plague coming and the prophet has warned us. We need to prepare. And are you going, are you going to procrastinate or are you going to prepare? Now one of the things that I want to also mention too is excuse me here to again make sure you rotate your stores I can't tell you how many people have told me well I bought a bunch of stuff and there it said and I didn't do anything with it I didn't use it and now it's no good it's spoiled I know one lady told me she bought, I can't remember, how many pounds of butter she bought. And it all spoiled. You've got to, you've got to think about what your family uses and how they use it. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website, www.jewishprophet.com, and you can find out, again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible.